Hello and welcome everyone to the My Vintage Lifestyle podcast. My name is Danny. Today I'm joined by Dirk Faree or Dirk the Crook as he's known on Instagram. Dirk, uh, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for inviting me, man. I'm uh, excited to be a part of this for sure. On Instagram, you describe yourself as an antique inspired stylist. And for anybody who wants to check out Dirk's page, of course, we'll be linking all that in the podcast. But um, you've got an amazing Instagram uh, page of amazing curated photos. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what it means to be an antique inspired stylist? I think I think I, I picked those words like semi-carefully um, because, well, first of all, I guess there's this big debate between antique and vintage and you get the, you know, the antique dealers being like, well, it has to be a certain amount of years old. I think it's 70 years and then you can call it antique. And someone's like, no, it has to be a hundred years before you can call it antique. Anyway, I wanted, I, I decided to go with antique because I like, I definitely feel like I want to, I like the older kind of stuff, you know, pre 1920s like that. It's like, you know, the kind of inspiration period. So that's where the kind of antique comes from. And, uh, inspired is like and that's the other thing I, I i really thought about that word inspired because like i never want to come across as a, like i'm copying um because like i don't i just don't see just it doesn't leave much creative landscape if you're just copying someone but that doesn't mean you can't get inspired and you can't change things so what i'm trying to do is like be inspired by what have been created but you know kind of put my own twist on it so you know i'll get pulled up by this is like people will pull me up being like you know that's not the right thing to pay with that or you know that's not how they did that or like you know um i used to work in tailoring and stuff as well so i know like the rules of menswear you know i know like you know you're supposed to have like whatever like a centimeter and a half of like sleeve showing you know your jacket and you know it has like all these rules the reality is like I, I'm not that detailed when it comes to that because again, I'm not trying to copy anything. I'm just trying to be inspired and and that feeling that I get from that, um, that's how I pick my outfits and that's how I put my outfits together. And that's how I kind of, I guess, put myself out there in a sense. So um, th- that inspired word is like, it's quite important um, and something that I feel strongly about, not just in like in menswear, but also just in general art. Um, I have like a big background in photography and stuff. So again, I think it's the same thing. It's like, there's nothing wrong with looking at other people's work. But again, if you're trying to copy the exact same photo, it's like, I, I think that's boring. I hope that kind of answers the question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a perfect answer, actually. No, I, I appreciate how much thought you actually put into to describing yourself as as a creator. When did the passion for vintage fashion kind of start? Was it a broader passion for like history or you know you said you had a background in tailoring was it more to do with fashion than history or definitely history um and uh yeah so bringing from south africa um history is quite like an important part of like south african especially the afrikaans culture which i come out of which is basically you know um the dutch people um that went to south africa you know the mid uh, 1600s that's kind of my i guess heritage so uh, history has always been a big thing for them and you know they're quite proud of the history and but there's also definitely some some really dark moments in history that we always reflect on but I think that's always been something like history's always been top of mind it's always been something I'm interested in I'm really interested in in, in stories I'm interested in, in dates and all those kind of things I've always been fascinated about it so it took up a lot of my headspace like all the way through growing up um, and you know I, I did reasonably well I didn't do really well at school generally speaking but history was one of the things that I kind of did okay at so I think that the love of history has always been there um 
the element, I think the element that pulls it, the history into fashion for me or, or style and all those things is just the simplicity of it. There's a, something really, really attractive about the simplicity of history. Like we look back and go, oh man, life was so much simpler back then. And there's something, you know, this, we forget about the really bad stuff. Like, hey, they didn't have medicine. <laughs> but like, there's something romantic about that really simple life, you know, um, you know, being surrounded by friends and, and family and sitting around a campfire and, you know, smoking a pipe and, you know, listening to someone sing in the corner and, you know, having a good old time. You know, that's the kind of, kind of simple life romance that I think pulls it into clothes for me. And, and I think closes that too for me. Like, I think it's actually... One of the main things, I don't know when it started, but a lot of it started maybe like eight, seven years ago too, when I really hated how complicated fashion is becoming, like how it's all about consuming more and new. And it's like, you know, the trends that keep on changing. And I'm like, man, that's complicated. Like it needs to be simpler than this. And it was simpler than this. And it looked a hell of a lot better when it was. Um, so that kind of started me on the journey of like, okay, what does that look like? What does a simpler way of dressing look like? You know, um, and the first kind of thing that actually caught me was more like the kind of workwear, kind of like the kind of thirties, forties workwear that scene is like, and it's, I still love that stuff, you know, and, and kind of like outdoor wear, like the jacket I'm wearing today is like a, is like a fifties um, Chippewa, like hunting jacket. Right. So I like the fact that it's simple, it's well-designed, it's designed to last and you just kind of chuck it on and it just kind of works. So yeah, I guess like th th that sim simplicity of things is actually a big thing that got me into it. But then once I got into it, I obviously like, you know, there's so many avenues I went down and, you know, so many things I explored and it became not very simple because <laughs> now I'm like semi-obsessed with it. So, so now it takes up a lot of time. But anyway, I, th I think the idea, like a lot of it was like the idea of simplicity that really kind of got me started on, on this whole journey, you know, to, if I had to trace it back. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting concept that, uh, you know, I've not heard actually when people talk about vintage fashion, um, you touched on sustainability, of course, and fast fashion is constantly consumed and we're always trying to chase a new trend, but uh, there's elegance to simplicity as well. And I think that's uh, very obvious from any of the photos that are, that are on your Instagram is, these, these outfits were not super complex and complicated, but yet they delivered a superior product uh, in a lot of ways mm. to what we see today. Is, is there other aspects um, besides clothes, like when it comes to loving history that, that you indulge in, like maybe other parts of your kind of vintage lifestyle, or is it mostly confined to clothes? Would you say? I think, I think it's probably mostly, well, yeah, I don't know. It would be interesting how other people view me and be like, you know, is he an old school kind of guy? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like in terms of the way I behave and my mannerisms and, you know, some of the ways I think about life. Uh, I think some of it is probably like, you know, could be classified as old school as well. I'm quite, I, I don't want to be that heavy. Like, I don't want to be that um, cornered by an idea that I can never escape from it, right? So I wouldn't, I would never want to be cornered into being a certain thing because I don't think that that's a good place to be. Like, I think like I'm also always trying to challenge where I'm at and what I'm doing and how I think about things. Because again, I think it comes back to that point is like, we've got to progress. Um, but anything, like in terms of any, anything else that I'm like collect or I'm really interested in, not, not really. Um, I love, I love like old homes. 
like like we're lucky that I'm not we're not at it now. We're at my um, wife's parents' house, um, but we have like a 1920s bungalow which we live out <laughs> kind of out out of the city a little bit, and and I love that house. Um, and there's something about that as well, the way of how the, the house is designed, the simplicity of design, but then also like the little detail um, th that I kind of really into. I would love to own like an old truck or something like that, but it's so expensive in New Zealand, like feel is ridiculous here. Um, and then obviously we just don't have a big enough history here in New Zealand to um, have enough volume of the kind of truck. You know, I know that when I drive around in the States, sometimes you see trucks for like, you know, I don't know, three, four, five thousand dollars. I'm like, man, that would be like, you know, I don't know, thirty thousand dollars in New Zealand or something. So oh, wow. it's really hard. It's, it's really hard to kind of get it. But I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm really trying to think. Is there anything else? I think like clothing is probably the most obvious one for sure that that you can point at. And then maybe once you get to know me, you can see the other influences that history has had on me as a person, and you know, on on how I kind of behave and, and treat people. And hopefully, it's good. Like hopefully, I come across like a decent guy <laughs> yeah no well i i can say so far that you do i think certainly that's an interesting concept as well is that the influence history has on us those of us who really like it is not necessarily always a, a collection or something you see uh immediately externally it's often internal and how we internalize maybe those stories from the past and relate to people from the past mm. and you know there's there's one of these things in the vintage scene, you know, vintage style, not vintage values, but there are some vintage values that I would argue are very good and uh, probably yeah. probably a little bit lost um, today. And Yeah, I totally agree with that. But I think like, and I have seen that before, like vintage style, not vintage values. And I'm like, I don't think there's a lot of the time, not every time, but a lot of time there's nothing, nothing wrong with the value. It's the way people interpret and then express it. It's like they've taken something that is actually okay and they've warped it into something that, hey, that's actually, you're still calling it this old school value, but you've just taken advantage of that and like manipulated it to do your own thing. Like, so it's, you have to kind of, you know, separate things there a little bit, you know, um, and figure out like, hey, like, what are they, what are they really doing? Are they just using this, you know, thing that's been happening to just justify like their own stupid behavior? Or is there actually another way of looking at this that's actually like, you know, a bit of gold, you know? Um, yeah. So I don't know, again, it will be for other people to judge, you know, <laughs> how I kind of live my life. It's the way you interpret those values and allow them to influence your life and, and, and in a positive way too. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. So tell us about your, your 1920s house. I'm very interested because I love uh, old homes as well. I think that's, that's the idea is one day we want to live in a nice old character home as well. Yeah, well, well, I would say in America and probably same in Canada, you're pretty lucky. I follow one of my favorite Instagram pages is Cheap Old Houses. Yeah, I don't know if you follow it too, but I'm just like every time I see a post, it's like you know, it's so cheap. It's like some of ninety thousand dollars for like a beautiful old home from like the 1800s, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like again, New Zealand is is quite an expensive country generally speaking, and housing is incredibly expensive. So it's and and. So it's hard to find those kind of cheap character homes, but we, we do have some beautiful homes um, here and in the city I live in, uh, we do have some sections that's got really beautiful homes. So yeah, uh, we just, you know, it's a little 1920s bungalow and um, it's got some original features. Like it's got some old cabinets. It's got like bay windows, which is really beautiful. I do a lot of my like content I do in, in my house. Cause again, you get this beautiful kind of pockets of light um, that kind of creates a certain kind of mood. Um, 
And yeah, it's just got really beautiful natural light, which is really important in this space, I feel like is that natural light. Um, but yeah, it's ideal. Uh, it's ideal to live there. And, um, you know, it's not that big. It's only a two bedroom. So I would like to have that a little bit bigger and closer to the city, ideally. But um, for now, it's just, a, it's an amazing house, you know, wooden floors. Um, it's like a native trees that was used to make the floors, which is probably not ideal because they cut down a lot of these, uh, it's called cowrie trees to, to, I think it's called cowrie trees, um, to make these floors. Um, so they're beautiful wooden floors. I think just like the, the layout too, like, you know, there's the way the house is laid out. And, and I don't know if this comes across all kind of older houses, but it's kind of like, it's got its pockets, right? Which, um, which I kind of quite like. I think it separates life a little bit, right? So like a lot of new modern homes, kind of real open space. And there's something really great about that too. Don't get me wrong. But there's also something about having a particular, a particular place for things, right? So the house is divided into a dining room, a room. This is where we sit together and have a meal. And this is, you know, the lounge with a fireplace and a TV where we like entertain and, you know, drink wine and whiskey. And we have a bit, you know, so, um, well, normally the bedroom is separate, you know, you don't get many people that have like a bedroom in their lounge, that would be weird. But kind of what I'm saying is like, I like that element of the way the house is laid out. And um, it's definitely true with like the New Zealand bungalows and, and villas, as we call them here. Um, it is quite separate like that. And again, most people think it's a pain in the ass. But again, I'm just trying to look at the like, what's the positives about this? Like, what, what, why is it in the first place was designed this way? What was the reasoning behind it? Is it maybe something like that? Like, hey, you know, we want to have a special place for what we're doing here and bring real focus to it or whatever. Like, I don't know what the reason is. So, but that's the way I think about it anyway. And that's another thing I love about those, the kind of older homes. And that's something about history is whatever aspect of history you're looking at, um, there's, there's, there is a reason behind it and usually a good one. So whether it's men's style and this is the, this is the reason we do this, this way, this is the reason we cut the coats this way, or, or you wear, you know, a shirt and pants, like, or whether or not it's bay windows or separate rooms, there's people had very good reasons usually in the past for doing things that way. And I, I think I love, like, I certainly um, love those yeah. things about old homes as well, uh, because they just don't make them like that anymore. No, they don't. They, they really don't. Um, uh, yeah. And I was, what my mind immediately went to when you said that was like high waisted trousers, <laughs> just to relate yeah. it back to, uh, relate it back to men's where it's like, I just don't know why, like, as far as I know, and, you know, obviously I haven't studied like all cultures and, and all outfits ever, but um, I'm just like, was there ever a need to make trousers not high-waisted? Like, I'm just trying to think. I was like, as far as I know and can see from pictures, because I, I look at a lot of pictures to get my inspiration from, is like all trousers were pretty much high-waisted. If I, you know, for like, let's say before like the 90s to like, you know, 1850s when they started taking photographs that you can kind of refer to, it used to also be, it used to always be high-waisted. Um, so I, that's, I'm like, was there really a, a reason to change or does it, is it just more comfortable and fits better and maybe more flattering? Because um, I think, I think it, it does. That's <laughs> but, a very good point. But, and it's hilarious because I personally agree with you 100%. And I actually don't think that low-waisted trousers are more comfortable uh, or flattering either. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it depends on who you are, I guess, and what, what you like. But yeah. I would totally agree with you that high-waisted trousers are definitely better. Totally. I mean, it's like the low-waisted trousers. It just seems like you have pressure around what for me, right? It feels like you have pressure around places you don't really want pressure to. And like, you know, I feel like if you can bring it up a little bit higher, um, and again, even if, and, and, and to, to stay on the trousers and then, you know, to add suspenders to that, for example, which I, I wear quite a lot, is like, you can actually have a high-waisted trouser, get it one or two sizes bigger, 
just in case you know you you know you have a good Christmas and you, you know you gain a bit of belly. Um, but it's also more comfortable to kind of have it kind of floating around with you. It's like you can move a lot better with that high waisted, and then the suspender makes sure that like that you know kind of helps with that extra room that you have in the trousers. So. Yeah, I mean, I think this has definitely been thought about, you know, and the reason that it was designed like that is because it was comfortable because, you know, you, you got to remember with like even suits, that was that was kind of what they used to work in, right? That's what they used to, you know, build the railways in America with suits. It's like, you know, they didn't have um, sweatpants and hoodies. It's like yeah. they had these suits. So it had to be pretty comfortable. Um, I'm sure it was still, still very hard, but like, you know, I think they did their best to try and, make the clothes comfortable so it can firstly take the impact of the heavy work and then people can actually move so they can be productive. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how comfortable the modern suits are because um, they seem very tight. You know, it's got low trousers. They seem really tight and the jackets are really tight. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I don't think that that's like a true representation of what a suit ever was meant to be. Mm -hmm. to be honest yeah that's a good point too when you got started with vintage fashion was it difficult to build your collection how did you get started so i well the how i got started was trying to look for vintage clothing in new zealand which didn't last long because there's not many here um it was basically stuff you know the old stuff would be 70s which is like you know um, look, I'm not I'm not a hater on the 70s. I actually think like I own a couple of 70s suits and I actually think like it's got something really cool about it. Like especially when they tried to pull back the older elements, I think it's something cool about it. But um, generally speaking, it's just not the level of the quality that you'll find in the older pieces from the you know 30s, 40s, 50s. So I tried to look here and I couldn't find it. So I had to go online. Um, and online drove me to finding other people and then also um, like places like eBay and Etsy is big and then finding other dealers that I could buy. So other people that collect these um, and also finding these stores overseas. And when we did travel, we did quite a bit of travel kind of pre 2020, um, you know, from like 2014 to 2020, we did a lot of travel. Um, so I could, I'll look up like a vintage store and I'll try and go like, when we go to New York, I'll try and see if I could find something when I go to LA, um, I'll try and visit these stores and, and pick things up. Um, but it's really hard in New Zealand because we're quite far away from everything. Shipping is extremely expensive. Um, and, you know, you're just not there to kind of get the bargains. So I guess, yeah, I, I was driven to, to go online pretty quickly. Um, and like I said, I was really inspired. My first kind of stuff I bought was more workwear. It was more kind of 30s, 40s workwear pieces. Um, and then also I bought um, from a brand that, back then replicated it really well so this is one of my favorite brands probably still is a band called knickerbocker um, and they're from they're from the states and and they've kind of changed their vibe now but i'm still a massive fan of of what they do and he um his earlier pieces was quite workwear inspired like you know chore coats and things like that and like really nice cut trousers and stuff like that so I bought a couple of those pieces too, because again, that was because it was just so hard to find the real thing here in New Zealand. Um, and then, yeah, from there, you just kind of gain momentum. You know, you you save up money, you you get better at searching for certain things. You, you meet some other people and you can swap some pieces with them over line. But um, it's just getting started. Um, I think, you know, you're constantly like kind of developing your style as well. Like, like I said, I started more of a work where kind of you know like the kind of 40s 
factory worker kind of style, you know, with like a, you know, like a heavy chino or, or like a jean and like these chalk coats and like a, you know, flat peak, um, oh, not flat peak, a um, Baker Boy hat or something. And then it just evolved, right? Like I, I just, uh, the first old suit I got was from a guy that I bought quite a few of these pieces, like more workwear hunting kind of outfits. And he just messaged me, he's like, hey, I got a 1920s like three piece suit, like this might fit you. And I was like, hell yeah. So that was like the first, first old suit I bought and I still have it and I still wear it every now and then. Um, and then as soon as I put on a suit, like kind of everything changed for me. Like my focus became like on just suits, like, you know, um, and then I got really deep into that hole, to be honest. Um, and that, that then led to like a, my little stint that in tailoring and more figuring out like what it's all about, you know, differences between eras and all that stuff, um, which I'm still learning by the way, a lot. Um, I'm not an expert in that, um, but yeah, I'm still super, super, super hard on that idea for probably the last, well, at least the last four years, if not a bit more. Yeah. So it's kind of evolved, man. And then that's cool. That's part of the fun. Yeah. I think everybody's style, whether it's vintage or not, of course, it's always changing, always evolving, but um, everybody has to start somewhere when it comes to collecting. Yeah. I've, I've talked to people on this podcast to collect typewriters, uh, who collect clothes, who collect all sorts of different things. And you start somewhere just because you love it and it just grows from there. Right. So that's cool that that's kind of how you got started. And then did that kind of grow in tandem with your Instagram? Did you start that at sort of the same time as you were discovering your kind of love of vintage things or was that later? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it did. Like I just, you know, I just kind of like just started posting photos. And if I look back at some of those photos that I first posted, I was like, man, I, I did not know what I was doing. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I was like, what the hell is that? But anyway, it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to, not going to take off, like not going to take it off or whatever. I took some off, to be honest. I took some off because they were just terrible. But, uh, you know, there's still different. If you go back, you can find like, hey, like, you know, it was different to what it is now. Um, but you just got to get started. And I was like, man, I'll put it out there. And, you know, I, I guess I got like, I've always gotten a, a positive response from people, like, um, which is really, was really kind. And I appreciate um, and I just like, oh man, I'll, I'll keep doing it. You know, as, as long as people are not like, you know, canceling me off the platform, I'll, I'll, I'll keep going. And, you know, as long as people are loving it, that like, I'll, I'll keep doing it. And, and hopefully, you know, it, people find it encouraging. Um, I don't spend like heaps of time thinking about like my Instagram strategy, to be honest. Like I'm, I'm reasonably like kind of off the cuff. Like I'll just get an idea. I'll get a little bit of time. Like, a, you know, now being like, a, you know, a parent it's like i have a lot less time so you know a lot of my my videos and my reels i make them literally like you know 20 minutes or something like i'll just shoot it and edit it and just put it up you know like so um i would like to think about it a bit more um to be honest it's just finding that time <laughs> yeah yeah for sure did you think before you kind of got started with instagram that you were sort of on your own in that in that love of vintage style or did, did the online sort of help you meet other people who are into it as well yeah back then i knew of a lot less people doing it um so and i did feel quite alone you especially feel alone when you like walk around because <laughs> i mean i i like i wear what i put up i'll wear that out, out like you know it's not just for, for for like for the camera like i actually wear a suit to work every day like a 40s or 50s suit and everyone at work is like an t-shirts and they're just like this guy's crazy you know but they've kind of accepted me so it's cool so I, I genuinely like live that and and 
you know, so people, you get your people yelling at you, yell something kind of weird at you or, you know, like they'll look at you weird, but like, I don't care, like whatever, man. Um, so, so that was, that was hard. Um, and it was hard at the start because it was, you know, quite off what people were doing. Um, but there was always been a few people that I've kind of looked up to that I've been like, okay, man, they're doing it. And they kind of encourage me and give me hope. So, you know, I'll, I'll keep going. And then hopefully that has an effect on other people that want to kind of put themselves out there with that kind of stuff. That's awesome. I love that you actually live that in your daily life. Cause a lot of people do, I think just do it for the camera. So I, it's very cool and very encouraging to hear that you're just living it and you're loving it. It's awesome. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, like uh, I just got like a more of a corporate, I guess, corporate job. Um, but it doesn't sound as terrible. Corporate sounds terrible, but it's not that terrible. But I got a kind of corporate-ish job about seven months ago, you know, and, and in my, my interviews, I was wearing, you know, like a 50s double-breasted suit and, you know, they were like in t-shirts and they were just like, they kind of pulled me aside and they're like, look, like, you know, we're really casual here. Like, you don't have to feel like you have to dress up. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I kind of have to kind of like, like, look, this is like, I'm into it. I have a passion. I collect old suits, da, 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 da. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely do, man. You know, and I'll, 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 I wear a lot of hats and stuff, which is like hats have become like, as soon as you wear like a hat, that's not like a, you know, not like a beanie or, or like a real modern hat. People it's like, you know, like look at you like you're from space or something, you know? So, but whatever, man, like I'm just so used to it. I don't ignore it now. I, I, I just, I don't even notice it now. I just kind of ignore it. But, um, you know, I definitely, I definitely do live it. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I love it. I, I got my first like flat cap, like Baker boy kind of newsboy yeah, hat. Yeah. I don't know, maybe six years ago, five or six years ago. And I was dressed fairly normally, you know, maybe just wearing yeah. an, over, an overcoat and, and, and maybe some dress shoes, just kind of very normal. But as soon as you put on the hat, it's true. People start to look at you like you're just from right. somewhere else, but it's, it's hilarious because men's headwear was fundamental, uh, like every single day, right up until the sixties. Well, it, it is fundamental for so many like good reasons. And like, you know, especially like the big hats, like sunburn, for example, it's like, that's not something we think about right now, but it's like, it's a pr pretty bad sunburn. And like, and if you get nailed by the sun, it's like, you know, you can get cancer and stuff. So first of all, that's like, you know, to, to not have a hat that kind of covers, especially in sunny places, is like, it's kind of unheard of. Um, but again, like now if I was to wear it, you'll be like, you know what, you're crazy. You talked a little bit about some people who influenced you and maybe encouraged you to keep going. Like uh, on your on your uh, Instagram, you mentioned a little bit about the the book full of crooks. Like, talk about who yeah. some of those influences on your style were. Yeah, well, I'll start with like you know people that's still alive. Um, that's like a big inspiration. When I was talking before about people that was doing this stuff, and then you kind of get encouraged because you're like, oh, they, you know, they kind of living the living the thing, and I'm like, you know, it gives me confidence to do it. So I would say a big one would be um, Christian Watson from 1924. Um, I don't know if you guys follow him. Uh, 1924 US. He's like an illustrator. He has a branding agency um, called 1924 US. He lives um, in the Sunshine Coast now with his wife, and he just recently had um, his wife had a had a young um, son. Um, so he's a really good friend and like, he's just a, he's just a beast in the industry. He's got so much like, um, antique, like not just clothing, but pieces His hot. His shop is amazing. Like it's worth looking at, like he'll put, um, photos of the shop up on, on Instagram and stuff, but it's just an amazing kind of situation. And, and he is, you know, at the core of that. So he's definitely number one. Um, another really, really great guy is, uh, work and war. I believe it's work and war. I'm kind of second uh, guessing myself but joe from work and war he lives in bristol um 
he's also you know he his kind of outfit is a mix of you know obviously like workwear and like also some influenced by some of the 40s kind of um uh military wear and stuff like that and you know he he like makes jackets and stuff as well by himself and you know so he's he's really awesome but he was just pretty early on on that scene I'm trying to think of anyone else those two are definitely the two big ones i mean there's many people that that kind of um have inspired me but you know the, the main thing that just inspires me is actually the clothes themselves so when people when some of these antique dealers like post clothes like that inspires me too you know and like that kind of um yeah i don't know that kind of like man i just want to wear that freaking awesome thing that they just posted so so that's another kind of inspiration too um and then the way this relates to crooks like us um so obviously everyone knows the show peaky blinders now and um it's kind of like whenever people say that because that's the only like when it, when you dressed anything that's not like normal they're like peaky blinders you know and you're like well no but yes so, so um so basically um the show peaky blinders a lot of their kind of inspiration was drawn from this book called crooks like us which is basically mark shots taken in the 1920s in a sydney australian prison so it's literally just straight up mark shots um and you know a lot of the haircuts is like you know arthur shelby's haircut for example and then probably tommy's too and a lot of the other boys the haircuts you can see it in the book right and and the way they style the way they look on 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 piggy blinders you can see those outfits like perfectly in that book you know that's um, cool maybe they've made it a little bit more british with, with the materials but really it's like you, you can see it man you can see the characters in those books so i found that out and then i researched the book and then i'm like man this is this is the true source of like like this whole thing like this is the, you know this is like this is the this is the thing and uh i went hard and like i got the book straight away so this is maybe like i don't know i don't know how long ago this was maybe five years ago or something four or five years ago so not that long ago to be honest but um yeah and I you know I bought the book and and read it and you know I I'll look I'll still look every every couple of months I'll flick through the book you know and I'll, I'll look at the pictures and read some of the stories so it's basically this this book with a lot of mug shots of people and there's also stories you know that that you know they describe the character what they did um to got you know to go to jail um and you know, which is really interesting, like the kind of the kind of crimes they committed. Obviously, like not the terrible ones, but just some of the like real stupid crimes they committed and got arrested. So that's pretty pretty funny. Um, and yeah, so that just and then I was like, mate, that that book is like the most incredible style guide I have ever seen. So that just captured my imagination. Um, and the way I always think about it, um, and I don't know how true this is, but I'm confident enough to say it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that that's the first documented case of streetwear ever. Like that's actually presented in like a body of work because obviously, you know, it was, there wasn't, being photographed wasn't an opportunity that you had daily like we have now with our own cameras and our phones or whatever. It's like, you know, you'll get dressed up and you'll pose, you know, and it will be like a whole thing getting a photograph taken. So you would assume that a lot of people would dress up, make an extra effort, and you know because they're going to get their picture taken today um well that wasn't the case with the crooks you know um i mean hopefully they didn't think they were going to get their picture taken they probably thought they're going to get away with it you know um so that, so i kind of love that where it's just like it's just the guy off the street they just grabbed in and took a photo of him and that's what he looked and he looks freaking amazing 
you know, and the same with the, the women too. They look awesome too. Like they look great. Um, so I kind of love that aspect. Like, you know, thinking about it as the first, as the original street style, at least, at, 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 you know, kind of Western street style anyway. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's many things about the crooks that I, that I just, maybe I'm overthinking a lot of it, but I, there's, there's many kind of things that I like about it. Like, I, I like that it's, you know, I always think like, man, if, if criminals can look that good, kind of everyone can look that good, you know? And that's kind of, I think, like a cool little positive thing to think about. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter kind of who you are. You know, you can, you can chuck on a suit, you know, um, which you can pick up some suits pretty cheap, you know, and you, you can look pretty good, you know? And like, so it's kind of accessible to anyone, you know? If a, if a criminal can do it, you can do it. <laughs> I think that's really insightful, actually, um, especially about the streetwear. I've never really thought about that that way. I suppose in the background, when you look at a picture of a wedding or a, a christening or whatever, these these major moments, which typically people would get photographed because, they, like you said, they didn't do it every day. You think, oh, that's what they always wore. And that's not actually true. You're, you're totally right. They dressed up for that. And I love yeah. the fact that this is completely off the cuff. This is real. This is how people looked every day. Yeah, it's candid. It's super candid. And, and it's like, it's not how they wore stuff too. Like, you know, some, it's not like the rules, you know, like the, the rules of the gentleman in the 1920s. Like the crooks breaks all those rules. Like, uh, you know, they break a lot more rules than they should in the first place, but they definitely break the, the menswear rules, which I kind of like. It's kind of like these guys, you know, would, there's lots of just stuff, you know, even even the, the, the way they wear clothes. Obviously, they a lot of them didn't have enough money to just... Um, some of them probably did quite well being crooks but some of them wouldn't have money so you could definitely tell that that suit's not tailored for him but it's like this is what he wore man and it's like that's cool um you know and they didn't wear ties a lot of them didn't wear ties which probably got frowned upon back then um so yeah just so the, the way they wear they wear it and do their buttons up and things like that sometimes is a bit wacky and i'm like you know i like that it's, you know i like the candid realness about it yeah yeah it's real that's that's a good way of putting it um, you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier mentioning, you know, just start somewhere and, you know, Etsy, eBay, but what advice would you give to somebody who's wanting to get into vintage fashion, wants to start building their collection? What uh, advice would you give them? Uh, yeah, I would say, look, when someone asks me questions on Instagram, I would always help them. I, you know, the obvious question is, Hey, where you get your stuff? And I'm always like Etsy, eBay. And then I normally give them like free accounts of people that sell really good um kind of vintage suits now this is more it's more of a retail kind of vibe so it's more expensive um so like just for example there's one called uh, reese vintage pieces um i think he's based in california another one called over retired and then there's a guy in new york called crawley i think it's crawley vintage um he's based in new york well they i know they have a lot of stock and a lot of old stock now they do it full time so it's going to be more expensive so that would be an easy way to get your hands on something. The, um, the, other, the other thing would just be going down to your local stores and start having conversations because a lot of these old kind of clothing, that's the really good stuff. A lot of people like don't think it's valuable at all. So you'd be surprised if you go down to your local antique dealer and just get a word out and go, hey, like, do you know any old suits? Like, you know, he might be like, oh, I have a mate that has some whole garage full. Like, you know, like you, you never know. So. I would say, I would say, go down to your local store, start having conversations with people. Um, eBay, you can get some pretty good deals. That's probably the cheapest. Um, Etsy is a little bit more expensive, but again, a lot more options. Um, 
other than that, I would say, you know, like, again, like I'm open, like if you want to message me, got some, something you want to ask me, um, do that. Um, reach out to other, to other people, listen to it as well. If there's some style you like, you know, reach out to them and hopefully they get back to you. I mean, they should. Um, but I would say that's the way to start and just start and just be confident. Like, just be confident. Know that in 10 years, you're going to look back and go, oh, it's ridiculous. And that's okay. Like, know that that's a journey that everyone takes. And just have a go, like make a start and then keep going, you know, and, and, and change it up. Like it's, that's the main thing is just get started. You can even buy, like you can buy, like if you're into suits, you can buy some like 90s, 80s, 90s suits that like do a pretty good job, you know, at, at representing some of the older, older features. So don't feel like you have to go super old. You can, you can, you can kind of build your way there, you know, if money is a problem. You can find something, you'll be surprised what you can find, you know. Um, and yeah, ask for advice. Hopefully that kind of answers the question. I say I was gonna say old movie, like not not as old movies, but there's some there's some shows that just do a really good job at inspiring you and kind of give you a bit of direction. Um obviously, like I mentioned, Piggy Blindness, that's 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 um, you know, that does a pretty good job. But um yeah, looking at old movies and then like a modern series that I love is a series called Babylon Berlin. Um, and it's like set in the, I think it starts in 1929, but just like the costuming in that movie is unbelievably great. Like, and I think very accurate as far as I can tell with my knowledge. So it's Babylon Berlin, it's, it's German. Make sure if you watch it to watch it in German and read the subtitles. Don't, because I think it has an American overdub, which is just horrible. So um, no, nothing against Americans, it's just not authentic. And, and you can kind of tell and it's all wrong. So um, that's not, so, if you can find this, and I mean, there's many old movies, uh, you know, like, you know, things like There Will Be Blood is another one where it's like things like that, just to kind of get an inspiration from and get some direction. Because once you know kind of what you want, it's just a matter of making it happen. Um, and, but a lot of people can get stuck on like, oh, should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? Just like go after something and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all really good advice. I think a lot of our listeners will be wanting to check out this episode to find out more about about vintage style and, mm. and kind of how you've done it. So I follow a few different uh, vintage retailers. Uh, Froggy went courting as uh, one guy who does, uh, yes. he's starting to get more into yeah. repro stuff, but he was dealing yep. vintage. Um, and another uh, one, which I really like is Stanley Biggs uh, out of the UK. Oh, yes, and yes, yes. Very nice as well. Yep. And so actually Sophie from Stanley Biggs, she sat down with us on a couple of episodes back. So that episode will be coming out uh, shortly. And it was cool. really fantastic listening to her kind of how they got started yep. and all that stuff. It's really cool. But I'm excited for more, for more kind of reproduction people to come into the market. Like, I, you know, I'm nothing against that. I think it's what we're going to have to do. Like there's not, you know, like vintage clothing is becoming so ridiculously expensive and so rare for a good reason, because it's quality that we need some solid companies that do reproduction and, you know, it's good that that's kind of a thing that's happening. Um, and, you know, I'm excited for the future. And hopefully what that does, because that stuff can also be quite expensive. If there's enough of that in the market, hopefully it can come down so it becomes affordable. So it's it's kind of accessible for a lot more people. But excited for where that's heading, for sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's definitely becoming more popular. And that's a fantastic thing for people who love vintage because it just gets easier and easier to access, hopefully. So um one more question kind of a fun one you just celebrated twenty thousand uh followers on instagram congratulations by the way oh, thank you. and uh, i know you, you celebrated with a drink what's your go-to drink yes my go-to drink um it's actually so i don't know if this name transfers but basically we have a it's uh i love mezcal um so this this drink that um 
it's we, we call it down here we call it a new mexico and apparently that is a name so if you search it maybe you can find but it's basically like mezcal um tequila um what else is in that no i forgot i've blanked um anyway see if you can look it up but it's basically like a cocktail that has mezcal and tequila and a bunch of other stuff in it that's just really amazing um and you know it's kind of like like drinking a, a fire which i kind of like to describe <laughs> it as and it's just amazing so i would i would say that um, I also like just classic wise, I, I like um, Negronis as well. You know, I just recently really got into Negronis. Um, yeah, I would say that's about it. You know, I, I'll be honest, I have no shame. Sometimes I like an espresso martini too. Like, you know, if, if the night calls for it, I'll have one of those too. Um, or I just, the other thing I recently got into, it's just straight bourbon. So I'll just have um, Whit, uh, Whitford Reserve bourbon, just drink it straight too. I kind of, you know, that's, so it kind of changes. It kind of changes. I go through waves of, of drinking certain things um but yeah there's a couple of options for people are there any like vintage cocktail bars or like places like that Mm -hmm. around where you live yes yeah there's some really good ones um this yeah there's there's two really good ones kind of speakeasy style and they're owned by the same people but they um the cool thing about it is they i think it's a guy from london but they all trained in new york so like you know they kind of got the vibe and basically what they do is they just come to you and just ask you what you want so they don't have a menu they say what do you feel like what can I, what can I drink? What do you feel like? What don't you like? And they'll go back, make you something. And it's normally amazing. So yeah, I, I, I love it. And the lighting is all moody and it's set in the old building. So, you know, it's perfect. Like I love going there. Yeah. Um, that's cool. So yeah, we're lucky like that, but, um, but that's the first thing I try and research when I go to a new city. It's like, you know, do they have any old school kind of speakeasies? Cause most of the time it means that the drinks are going to be good too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Well, um, that's pretty much all I had, Dirk. I, thank you so much for taking the time. It was awesome to just hear about your story and, and hear how you got uh, influenced in, into vintage and, and to hear some tips as well for, for other people. So. Oh, no worries, man. It was a pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for you taking the time and thanks for uh, inviting me. Let's do it Absolutely. again at some stage.